Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. BM Watson. Hey, it's Amber Wilson. Coming up on Monday, we continue our NFL two-a-days with the Giants and Live the Jags. The I'll tell you which team will take a step back this year. That more beginning Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, and on ESPNU. It's kind of surprising because at ESPN Radio. Let me see at certain weights we want to be at. And I hit the 235, and uh, I talked to him about it, and he was like, uh, when we get 235, you got to lose muscle. I said, well... We do that, and we stay where he at. So he's in great condition. I'm rocking one of those guys who he competes every day like he's like he's eighth string or something. Like he competes all the time, so he goes all the time. Yeah, yeah. With John Neighbors. Every time you put a mic in my face, I'm gonna say Arkansas. And Joe Franklin. We won't go in the shell. We won't go in attack mode because that's what's required. On 1037 the buzz. One hour down, two hours to go. Appreciate everybody listening in on this beautiful day here in the great state of Arkansas. John Neighbors, Joe Franklin, broadcasting live from the Hogs Meat Market Studios with you today. And thank you, as always, for making us a part of your afternoon. This afternoon, it's Reaction Monday, presented by Fleet Management Services. And we know with uh, Razorback Fall Camp, we're going to dive into that here in just a second. Uh, but did uh, on our Astro Record Life and Feedback, I want to address this. Casey says, John, you have no issues with the changes to college football because we are lucky we are here in the SEC and it doesn't affect us. If you were a fan alumni of a school getting left out or behind, you might have a different tune. No, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't be upset if you're a fan of, the con- of not having the conferences. I'm talking about these coaches or these people that are talking about how, oh, we're all just chasing the era of the mighty dollar when that's what it's always been about. Like, that's what I have issue with. If I was a fan of one of these schools, I absolutely would be upset if I was if my school was getting left out. And you don't have to be a fan of the schools that are in the Pac-12 that are remaining. There are some people that just don't like the direction yeah. that college sports are going in, but it's not going to change. It's not going to go back to what it was. Nope. It's you got to adapt or die type of deal. It's just the way it is. And so I, But I agree. It's It's nice to... As a Razorback fan, being in the SEC and not having to worry about where you're going to end up, because if Arkansas was in the Big 12 when all this went down, it may have been a different story. May have not gotten an invite, or may have been still in the Big 12. I don't know. I don't know. But hey, you got to be happy with how it all has turned out for that. But hey, speaking of Arkansas, we know Razorback fall camps been underway now for a few days, and had a chance to hear from some of the players, some of the coaches, some of everybody that's involved, and also got to see a little bit of what practice has been providing. So let's go ahead and go to the phone lines as we welcome in Andrew Ellis of hogsports.com, friend of the show, who's been there at those practices, being able to check them out and get a firsthand view of what's been going on. And Andrew, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good, man. Just, uh, you know, right in the middle of fall camp. Uh, we, we haven't quite reached the point yet where everything feels super mundane and it's all coach speak. You know, we haven't quite gotten there yet. It's still early enough. So, uh, Things are going well so far. The weather hasn't been bad since it's been early in the morning. So all things considered, it's been a successful start to fall camp. So looking at fall camp within itself, because I know you've been doing this for a while now, and uh, has anything changed as far as how Sam Pittman and the staff handles with media being there at practice? Are you getting more opportunities to see it, or is it pretty much the same thing? You get uh, you know, some drills, maybe some stretching, and then you guys got to move on and go somewhere else because they got business to take care of. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same in terms of, you know, we, we don't really get a full look at everything in practice. It's just a few, it's, you know, five or six periods, and a couple of those are usually just stretching or individual drills and stuff like that. So it's really, you know, we got to just make the most of what we get. Um, but the best the best thing they've done so far is each day, they the, the last period they'll do, they'll usually split and they'll do an inside run period with the linemen and, you know, running backs and all that. And then they'll also have this, what they call a two-on-two slot cover drill is what we're told it's called. But it's basically just receivers, you know, two receivers, two DBs, you know, going at it with quarterbacks throwing them passes. And that's kind of been the highlight of practice because it's really the only time we get to see 
players really compete with one another, go at it once, you know, you know, most of it is usually position drills and, you know, tough to really tell who's standing out, but seeing those guys go head to head one on one throughout the, the camp has been really fun to see and it really kind of highlighted just, just how, how talented some of these receivers are and you see some of the young BBs make a blaze. The first day the receivers kind of got after them a little bit, but it's been a little bit even the last few days. So it's been really fun to see that competition playing out. What's it been like with, uh, of course, weather is always a factor, and this time of the year is extremely hot, but what's what's it been like as far as getting out there for the players so much earlier? I I'm, I'm, cannot thank them enough for doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was really dreading it. One, just that the weather sucks, but also just having to sit around all day and wait till 3 p.m. to finally go see something. And so I feel like last year we spent so much time, you know, during the day not doing much because you're just waiting on practice to happen. So being able to do this early in the morning has been been great. Weather-wise, it's been awesome. It felt felt great. The first day at 640, I didn't like waking up that early. But even then, like, the weather was perfect. Today was probably the best it's been weather-wise in terms of temperature and everything. But it was actually in the indoor in the Walker Pavilion Center today, so we didn't get to to feel it too much. But, yeah, you know, every year at fall camp, it's just so hot. And I always feel so bad for the players. So it's been really nice to – you know, not only get out there when the weather's not too hot, but also be able to be done with, with work earlier in the day. So I'm, I'm all for it. So looking at just, uh, we'll start with the offensive side of the ball. We know Danny Enos, new offensive coordinator. You got KJ and you got Rocket, which, of course, Rocket has been known for his weight gain and his speed and everything. But uh, just from the offense itself compared to maybe what it was the previous years, has anything really stood out as far as being staunchly different and how they approach it, maybe the way that they practice, the formations just – has there been a huge change that you've seen from this year's offense to last year's offense just as far as practice goes? Yeah, you know, again, it's really tough for us to tell how many real changes there are because we're basically just getting a handful of plays at the beginning and then kind of just seeing what they do in their position drills. But I think that you're definitely, I mean, they, they've run a few two tight end things here and there, and you, you see them line up differently and see KJ under center and kind of the, the, the changes you expect to see from the start. But you know, it's the fastball period. They're basically sticking with 11 personnel most of the time. So it's tough for us to really tell how much different things are. I think, you know, the, the, you know, the spring we got to see a little bit more of them actually running plays and seeing what they're going to do from an offensive standpoint. But to this point, it's been, it's been less about formations because we don't really get to see a ton of that stuff. More just kind of identifying the individual players and seeing what they're doing in drills and seeing what they're doing in competitions with each other. And so... We've gotten to see a little bit of that, and you know, I think the biggest difference is you see you see the tight end, the depth in the tight end room is really starting to come together. I really like some of the bodies I'm seeing there. So that alone is a huge difference because last year, it's like even if they wanted to run a bunch of two tight end, two and three tight end stuff, they didn't really have that option. So it's been really nice to see some of those guys stand out. But in terms of practice, we're not able to really see enough to see the differences between the two coordinators. But it's been fun to watch Danino's you know, coach and be super involved in these drills. And I think the, the, the biggest changes that the, the coaching staff that I've seen have been on the defensive side of the ball because we're able to, you know, kind of go around and see how each one of those new coaches goes about their business a little bit. But formationally, haven't been able to, to identify a ton of, ton of new changes, but we know they're there. Skill position players, we are always looking for speed from them. But overall, Coach Pittman says that this team is faster and that's including all positions. So what's the speed been like for the team as a whole? Yeah, you know, I, I think that the, the biggest thing, uh, probably the biggest story coming out of camp was whenever we got to talk to Ben Stouders, he was able to just go through the specifics of how fast some of these guys are running. And, you know, he went through every position. It wasn't just receivers. It was some BBs in there. And he talked about some of the linebackers. Pooh Paul has crazy, you know, crazy numbers in terms of his max speed that he was reaching in, in workouts. But, you know, it's tough to tell because if, if, if you see one guy blown by another, you have you start to do the fall camp question where you're like, okay, well, does this mean that Arkansas's receivers are really fast or are their DBs slow or, you know, that kind of thing. But um, I, I think in the you know, getting to watch these receivers and defensive backs go at it head-to-head each day in practice, I, I would say, yes, there's definitely, there's definitely just added team speed overall with the defensive backs for sure because I think last year's defensive backs, you know, you, 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 you get to the, the top – starting rotation and then after that it gets a little bleak and you know I think depth is still a little bit of concern they're trying to build it there in the secondary but you just look at the the number of bodies of guys that they're able to bring in there that look the part of an SEC you know defensive player and I think the front seven you know we don't get to see these guys truly run a ton but 
when you just look at it, you know, the linebacker room looks completely different than it did three years ago. I mean, even some of these freshmen they're bringing in, like a Brad Spencer and Alex Stanford or Carson Dean, they just look more physically mature than they did a few years ago. And that goes on with sophomore guys like Jordan Crook and Manny Powell. Just the size and speed and athleticism and physicality of those groups really stand out. And I think up front and defensively, they got so many just, big, I mean, bigger guys than I think I can ever remember seeing at Arkansas. And they all move pretty well. You know, even the ones, even, you know, like the ones that are up, like Tank Booker, who's 350 pounds. And I think the overall, you know, that team speed that Coach Souders was talking about the other day, we'll get to see it more in fall, you know, in, in the fall when we're really seeing these these guys go up against other teams. But I, I'm buying the idea that this team is a lot faster and just in better shape physically than they were the past couple of years. Yeah, because Andrew, I heard uh, with Ben Souders saying that half the team can run over 20 miles per hour. Like, is that good? Like, I don't know. I don't know what goes into it, but like, it seems like it's pretty impressive as far as the team speed goes. But uh, I guess his, his approach to it uh, from the strength and conditioning point, getting the size and getting the speed, whatever he's doing seems to be look, uh, working really well, at least at this point in time. Yeah, and uh, you know, I guess you know, like you said, we don't really have much of a frame of reference because in years past, we don't get access to any numbers like that. I, I couldn't have told you at all how fast any of the guys during the Bielema era, Chad Morris era, how fast any of those guys were running in terms of miles per hour, even last year. But but Souders did say, I think I think they doubled the amount of guys that can hit 20 miles an hour. And I think he said last year they only had one player that ran 22 miles an hour. And they now have five of those. So it seems like it's, it's you know, up across the board. And, you know, it, a little bit of this is tough to tell because in the fall, Every player that you talk to, oh, they feel great with their weight. They feel great about their new speed, their new strength, and all that. And then you get into the season, and everyone's banged up. But at least, at least the vibe I'm getting is that this team—they all feel pretty good about how in shape they are. And some of these guys, it's, it's really noticeable seeing the differences they make. I mean, Luke Haas is one guy that I, we we definitely need to need to talk about him because he's been probably the breakout star of this off season. And just every time you go to practice, you're just everyone's just baffled by by how good he looks and how good he's moving, but. He's a guy that, you know, in the spring, we got to see him not even that long ago, three or four months ago in the spring, and he looks completely different even right now today than he did then. So I, I'm, I really do like all the things that I'm hearing and seeing out of this this uh, new strength staff, and it seems like the, the, the change has been a positive one. And I, I definitely think that there, there's a physicality to this group that, you know, not, I'm not saying it hasn't been there in years past, but they just look super physical and huge, this whole team. What have you seen from KJ so far? Now, you know, focus is always on the quarterback, but as far as KJ going through some of the practices, what have you seen from him? I mean, you know, KJ, KJ is KJ, and at this point, you know, we, we know who he is. We know what he's about. and You see a little bit of that of him interacting with his teammates at practice and the, the leader that he is and just kind of the, the vibe he brings to the team. He's always kind of joking around at practice, always either dancing or, you know, laughing with someone or, you know, joking around and yelling stuff at other guys. So, you, you see the, the personality is always there on display for KJ. And, you know, it's funny about him is if you go back to even his first couple years at Arkansas, like I remember in 2020 when he made his first start at that, or that I guess his first start under Pittman, that Missouri game, they were worried about how he was going to perform because he's not a super big practice player. And I think that's something that he's had to get better at in terms of, you know, bringing in, being intense and ready to go locked in at every practice. But, and so every now and then you'll see him kind of float one, and you're like, oh, man, you know, that one didn't look good. But then he'll come back with two throws that are just perfect. And I think that he's super comfortable in this offense. I really think that he's having fun, and I think he really likes some of these new receiver targets. And from the spring to now, you know, he's gotten to throw to these guys a little bit more and get, get you know, speak well with some of these guys. And I think their, their chemistry and communication is so much better than it was in the spring. Because I think in the spring – not like the receivers weren't standing out but i think that you can tell all those guys look more comfortable now and i think that's a credit to the work they put in with kj and with criswell and with these other quarterbacks in the offseason and they they look like a new and improved passing game in, in this fall campus so it's been really encouraging to see like what he's been able to do with some of these guys it seems like they, they have a, a much stronger bond than they did earlier in the spring speaking with andrew ellis of foxsports.com here on the phone lines uh, doing a little Razorback fall camp updates. And something else, too, you mentioned the wide receivers, Andrew. Andrew Armstrong, uh, the transfer out of Texas A&M Commerce, it looks like there's been some clips about him, and he's looking really good. And uh, Sam Pittman's been high on him, too. And I think everybody's just kind of wondering who's going to be KJ's main target. There's a few options there. But uh, Andrew Armstrong is a, a guy that committed to Arkansas out of the transfer portal really early. 
And uh, maybe he wasn't getting as much run, but he certainly looks like he's standing out in practice, according to a lot of the coaches, including Sam Pittman. Yeah, you know, Andrew Armstrong, I remember last year in the spring, one of the first practices we went to, I just remember him getting behind Snacks Johnson and beating him by about five or six yards on a, on a deep route and really that, you know, kind of catching my attention there. But after that, it wasn't like every single day he was making plays and standing out and being a guy that we're oohing on and on about. I felt like in the spring, a lot of these receivers kind of had their moments here and there, but it wasn't consistent playmaking success where every single practice we were coming away, blown away by all of these guys. But I think he's taking a big step forward, and that's actually what Dwight McLaughlin told us in the media room today. He said that Andrew Armstrong has gotten a lot better. His route running is a lot more crisp, and he has these defensive backs guessing a little bit more. And every time, you know, all the players that we've talked to so far, when you ask about the receiver room, he's usually the first name off of everyone's tongue. And if it's not him, it's Isaac Tisla, who is another one. I'd say that those two guys right there have probably separated from the pack a little bit, at least for now, in terms of trying to be KJ's number one option. Tyrone Broden's another one that everyone's super intrigued by. He looks the part. I mean, he's got the length, and I think he's going to make so many plays down the stretch. But as of right now, I would say Tesla and Armstrong are kind of the guys that have separated from the pack. And Isaiah Satania, man, I just feel like he makes consistent play. Every time they, we do these drills, he just he, he seems like he's getting separation right off the line of scrimmage. His speed is, in, you know, we talked about speed earlier. He's another one where I think his speed just brings another dimension to this offense. And, you know, replacing a guy like Matt Landers, you're going to need to have some of those plays downfield. You're going to have to replace that production somehow. It doesn't have to all be one guy, but I think Armstrong, Tesla, and Satania really give that vertical threat, even though Satania's not as big as those guys. I think that all three of those guys can make plays in every area of the field. It's going to be really interesting to see how creative they get with getting the ball in these guys' hands because they've each shown that they can do a lot of different things. And I just like how well-rounded the receiving group is. You know, there's a lot of different skill sets there, but I think Andrew Armstrong is probably the most complete out of all of them. I think he's got the route running. He's got the size. He's got the speed. I think he just kind of checks all the boxes. And I think that's why he's the first guy that sticks out when you ask these players or coaches who's standing out. Storyline we're always familiar with would be linebackers and linebacker depth. So the one player we know that's coming back with some experience from last year, Chris Poupal, and uh, then there's some unknown with the linebackers. So what what does Arkansas look like with linebackers as far as the rotation and then some of the depth? Uh, you know, I really I really like the group, and I feel like there's honestly a group of probably five guys that you can make an argument could be in a starting type of role. I think. The top two right off the bat, Chris Paul is that main guy. I think he's an unquestioned, no-doubt starter. I don't think there's much controversy there. And then the guy that's been lining up next to him every single day we've been out there with the first team is Antonio Greer, the South Florida transfer who was here in the spring and, and looked the park then. And I'd say those two guys have probably separated from the pack in terms of the, the top two linebackers that are going to be on the field. But Jordan Crook is another one that you know start, started and played a lot in the bowl game, got some quality rest after an offseason of work. I think he's another guy that you know, can play a little bit more on defense as a sophomore. Manny Powell is another one that I was looking at him a lot today. And he just looks the part, looks like he's in great shape. And you think with a year of experience, he's another guy who's going to be knocking on that door pretty soon. And and then you got the other guy, you know, Jaheim Thomas, the, the the Cincinnati transfer. He's six four. I think he's six four two thirty six. I don't know what he's exactly listed at, but you know, from a build standpoint, he kind of reminds me of. Uh, Randy Ramsey, the Arkansas defensive, I guess he was a linebacker defensive end for a couple years ago, but just the, the ranginess and the length of kind of how he looks, they, they, there's some similarities there. And I think he's another guy that, you know, when they need to get some more beef on the field, some more physicality, I think he's, he's one that they'll, they'll throw in there. And, you know, we, we talked earlier about the formation differences. I'm really interested to see defensively how many linebackers are going to be on the field at a time, how they're going to utilize some of these guys, and if they're going to use them in the pass rushing game a little bit. But, I think they have more depth and physicality than they've had there in the last few years. And you should look at some of the guys that they've, they've you know, leaned on to play a lot. I think there's there's a, there's some nice depth in the room. And I think the young guys all look the part. And we'll see how fast they end up working into the actual rotation on the field. But I'm really optimistic about uh, what that group can accomplish. Andrew, I know it doesn't get talked about enough, but you got Scott Fountain, the special teams coordinator that met with the media. That was some Arkansas struggle to find consistency with. Uh, they have, of course, Cam Little, but even last year it felt like uh, he wasn't uh, as accurate as he was a year before. They had the punting issue going back and forth with Max Fletcher. 
so just overall, like, how is the special teams going to actually improve this season? Because people have been waiting on some consistency with that unit. Well, when you talk to Scott Fountain, the thing that he brought up is that he thinks that the overall team depth in terms of just roster talent is better across the board this year than it was last year, which should help special teams because then your second and third teamers are the ones that are you know mainly contributing on special teams, and those guys are better, which kind of just makes the entire roster and the entire all three departments really better overall. And so I think that's going to be a huge factor of, you know, some of those young guys, like I mentioned, like a Manny Powell or Jordan Crook or whatever, I think all of those guys are better this year. And so those guys that are going to be contributing a lot on special teams, you know, your special teams units are just going to be better by default because those guys are better. But I think Cam Little brings a lot of stability as a kicker. And, you know, he missed a kick against A&M last year, but I think down the stretch he made his last, like eight of his last nine or something like that and didn't miss a kick from inside of 40 yards. So there's a lot of, consistency and dependability there he's, he's going to be a reliable option no doubt and uh, Max Fletcher is kind of the, the interesting one because he was a big time punting prospect coming out and there was high expectations for what he could accomplish but you got to remember last year was his first year ever playing football and I don't mean playing SEC football or playing college football I mean that was his first year playing football period in front of fans so I think you're, you know he'll be a lot better this year just simply being more comfortable it being his second go around and kind of having an offseason to establish himself and I think he's the guy at punter, and I expect him to take a little bit of a step forward. What, what Scott Fallon was talking about yesterday, he kind of talked himself in a little bit of a circle, to be honest with you, because he was saying that they had a lot of kickoffs last year, but they don't necessarily want to have it be a touchback every time. They kind of want to see if they can pin some of those opponents deep, because he thinks that getting the ball to 25 is an advantage for the opponent, which I agree with him on. But then he also said they want to return the ball more in the kick return game, so that didn't really make a ton of sense to me. I don't know why you would in college football today, anyone would want to be returning the ball out of the end zone more. But, uh, you know, that's what he said, and we just have to go with it. But, you know, so he, he, he was a little interesting. His, his press conference was a little interesting yesterday. But I do think just across the board, the depth on this team is better. And so that should, in turn, make the special teams units each better. Well, hopefully it does, because they're going to need uh, every part of it to be pretty consistent. Hey, Andrew, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Have fun up there at summer practice or fall camp, man, and I know we'll be catching up with you as the season gets closer, all right? We got more Out of Bounds coming up next. Stay with us. Facility Maintenance Services presents Melinda Mayo when she joins Morning Mayhem each Thursday morning. Serving Central Arkansas, Facility Maintenance Services. We don't cut corners, we clean them. Sports Center. Days two and three of the Arkansas football fall camp were over the weekend. Arkansas running backs coach Jimmy Smith met with the media on Saturday. He was asked if it was difficult to manage a loaded running back room. Honestly, from the outside, it looked difficult for me. It's fun. <laughs> so I got 1A, 1B, 1C, and I got Dominic on the way and Isaiah on the way. So it's, it ain't difficult for me. It's fun. So take a peek. Like I say about the guys all the time, it's fun because I know one going there and run for 10, I know the other one's saying, give it to me so I can run for 15. And they're saying, give it to me so I can run for 20. So they're not selfish at all. All the ones see each other be successful. Fall camp continues today. Stay tuned to the buzz for updates. And the Arkansas Travelers lost all six meetings with the San Antonio Missions. The Travelers will now hit the road to face the Midland Rockhounds. That series starts tomorrow. I'm Christian Weaver with the Buzz Radio Network. Erectile dysfunction is a very serious medical issue. It affects over 60% of men over 45. This can be caused from low testosterone, high blood pressure, diabetes, prostate issues, and high cholesterol. The staff at the Little Rock Men's Clinic are specialists in treating these issues. Our medical specialists will determine your specific problem and develop a treatment plan for your specific needs. Our treatments have helped thousands of men with a 96% success rate. Call the Little Rock Men's Clinic at 501-382-9516. For August, our office visit it is only $79. That includes your exam, blood work, and testos. If our specialist can't prove to you that the treatment works, your office visit is absolutely free. I am 58 years old, I have more energy, and I am performing like I am 21 again. I feel amazing. Come to the Little Rock Men's Clinic. We treat low T, ED, Peyronie's disease, and offer a male enhancement procedure. Call the Little Rock Men's Clinic at 501-382-9516. That's 501-382-9516. Or visit littlerockmensclinic.com. Twin Peaks is the best in the game. Here, your favorite drafts are poured at a frosty 29 degrees, and rare barrel-aged whiskeys are served just the way you want them. It's bigger game days and bolder fight nights. I mean, where else can you find a scratch kitchen that always comes in clutch? Every day, from lunch to late night. Only at Twin Peaks, the number one sports bar. 
Stick around after the sun sets. Twin Peaks is open really late. Wind down with bourbon and late night bites. It's Justin Acri for Certipro Painters. We're all getting ready for summer, and if you want to spruce up your home for summer, Certipro Painters could be the answer you're looking for. Each Certipro Painters business is independently owned and operated. Schedule your free estimate at Certipro.com. That's Certa with a C. If you're thinking about getting a paint job done for the interior or exterior of your home, you need to hurry up and get on the schedule soon because it's filling up quickly. So plan for your next project. You'll be happy you did. Cleanliness, thoughtfulness, and attention to detail. You'll get all of it with my friends at Certipro Painters. So get them scheduled for your project today. If you're looking to update your home decor, then go see our friends at Coffin by Design West. At Coffin by Design West, they have design specialists on staff that can help you with your decisions on any updates to your home. They have over 7,000 square feet of beautiful new home decor pieces such as sofas, dining tables, design throw pillows, lighting, and chairs that arrive daily. For those of you who like the aromatique candles, you can find those and also gift cards located at West Past Taylor Loop, 14900 Kentrell Road, or go to the web at coffinlumber.com. Waiting is no fun. Like when you're hungry, waiting for the microwave. Waiting for the light to turn green when you're running late. Come on, come on, come on. Or waiting for your notoriously unpunctual friend to arrive at the bar, even though she just texts you five minutes away. Sure you are. At the payroll company, we know waiting stinks, which is why we pride ourselves on fast replies to our clients, doing payroll right and on time each month, and answering questions quickly and efficiently. The Payroll Company. Less headaches, more than payroll. Visit morethanpayroll.com. Same great deals, all new location for Hogs Meat Market in North Little Rock at 3901 JFK Boulevard. Call them today at 501-758-7700 for all their specials at Hogs Meat Market. The Steak People. You're listening to Out of Bounds with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Trying to reach the green from here, Shooter? That's not possible, sir. I beg to differ. Happy Gilmore accomplished that feat no more than an hour ago. Well, moron, good for Happy Gilmore, oh my God! On 103.7 The Buzz. It's a great time to get to Twin Peaks for happy hour, 2 to 7, later happy hour, 10 to close. Enjoy all the food and drink specials that go along with it. Get a lunch combo starting as low as $7.99. If you want to take some food to go, you can order online, curbside, or to go, courtesy of Postmates, DoorDash, and Uber Eats. And uh, Twin Peaks has an extensive and exclusive collection of rare bourbons, whiskeys, and tequilas. You can see the display at the front door as you walk in. And coming up Wednesday, every Wednesday this month in August, and then going into September, it's Brew Day. So, Brew Day, you can look forward to that. The first one coming up on August 9th. You get 22-ounce Twin Peaks brews on draft all day for $3.99. And fantasy football is coming up. And you want to draft your fantasy football party, your fantasy football, and uh, you want to have your parties at Twin Peaks. And they're going to take care of you. You can get draft beers and bites for the whole team, a $50 bonus card for the commissioner, and additional $5 bonus cards for each player in the league. Go to TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Fantasy Draft. An NFL preseason. It's going to be on from Thursday going through Sunday. And Twin Peaks is a great place to watch it because they have wall-to-wall TVs for all the sports action and plenty of seating inside and out. It's Twin Peaks. Each drink scenic views. It is a Reaction Monday presented by Fleet Management Services here on Out of Bounds. And uh, have a little bit of uh, breaking news, if you want to call it breaking news here, but still pretty uh, funny to see how it's all played out with uh, college football playoff ex- or college football expansion and the conferences and everything. Scoring to Pete Thamel, apparently in the next 24 hours, there are two calls for the ACC to vet and have early exploratory discussions with the potential addition of Cal and Stanford. Whoa. Okay, so that's good for the ACC though, because that saves yep. them. Yep. Because they were a conference that was looking to get poached. Yep, it says the uh, it's a fluid landscape for the four leftover Pac-12 schools, and there's a myriad of options being discussed. This is one of them. And uh, as many people have made the joke, you got the ACC and you got the Pac-12. They're just going to call it the All Coast Conference or both Coast Conferences, because that's uh, what you're looking at. But uh, that that again, it's very early in the stages. But seeing how quickly some of this stuff has gotten going. Could absolutely happen where you have the ACC with Cal Berkeley and Stanford <laughs> in the Atlanta Coast Conference. But uh, I get it, though. They're, everyone's trying to get whatever they can. And if they go to the ACC, it's I mean, it's going to be any really different than 
USC and them going to the Big Ten. Kind of the same concept. They'll, they'll find a way. And then that increases uh, their chances of being able to keep Florida State with making the conference stronger altogether and makes it more enticing for networks to give them a boost in their TV deal. Yeah, because then you have two California schools that are in your market, and or at least in your conference, that they could add that market to it, and it makes sense. So that leaves Oregon State and, and Washington State. Washington State. Poor Oregon State and Washington State. That's a shame. That's a shame. But who knows? Maybe they'll get an invite somewhere at some point. But right now, it looks like that's the next move, and it just is ongoing. It's ever-ongoing. It's ever-evolving door. But we'll keep you updated on that. But we also know that since it's a Reaction Monday, there's been a lot of highlights and a lot of lowlights. So let's go ahead and jump into the best and worst of the weekend. It was the best of times. In your life have you seen anything like that? It was the worst of times. Nuts and bolts, we got screwed. Third down. It's time for the best and worst of the weekend on Out of Bounds. All right, it is time for the best and worst of the weekend. I'll go ahead and start off with the best of the weekend. Uh, not only have you had some uh, some drama surrounding college sports, but also want to also want to throw in the fact that uh, I don't I, I want to make sure I'm clear. On this. I don't condone fights in sports or anything like that, especially when it's a non-contact sport. However, I find that when fights happen, it usually ends up being pretty comical because one, nobody gets hit. Or they kind of dance around, or maybe there's just a little bit of wrestling, maybe there's just a little talking, maybe, you know, in baseball you got people running out from the bullpen to do nothing. Like, there's, there can be some humor from it. But over the weekend, man, uh, White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson got knocked out as there was uh, a lot of chippiness between him and Guardians third baseman Jose Ramirez. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen the video, it's, I think what are, what's, again, part of it's the humor for me. It's not that anyone got hurt, but... When they start jawing at each other, they both get into boxing like fighting stances. Like normally, it's just you go after somebody, but it was almost like, all right, we tap gloves. Here we go. We're all. It's like a street fighter thing. You're about to go up against your opponent, and they start taking swings. And Tim Anderson got he he got put to sleep. He got knocked out there. Uh, but now the uh, MLB has officially handed down the uh, punishments as Tim Anderson. Uh, and both Jose Ramirez got... Okay, so Jose Ramirez got suspended three games. Emmanuel Chase, the Guardians pitcher, got one game. Also, White Sox manager Pedro Garfall and Guardians manager Frank, Terry Francona were suspended a game. And Tim Anderson gets six games. So the guy that gets knocked out gets the most games in Tim <laughs> Anderson for six. But, you know, this it was expected. It was what was going to happen. But, again, I try to find the humor and stuff like this. Not that anyone gets hurt, but... Just the fact that they were literally looking like uh, the video game Street Fighter about to go off against each other to put their dukes up uh, was pretty comical. But, uh, yeah, felt like this was going to happen with the suspensions being handed down. So let's take that to the worst then because that was uh, with Tim Anderson being the guy who started the fight and he's the one that you see drop the glove and drop the ball and gets in the stance. you got to have a better showing if you're the one to start the fight. And then you get knocked out on a punch that... You don't even see, and even Ramirez just kind of threw it out there. He put his head down, and he just threw the punch. He wasn't even looking to where he was punching, but Tim Anderson just got knocked. He got caught and got knocked out. So to be the guy to start the fight, you got to have a better showing than that. You can't get knocked out the way you did, and you're the guy who started everything. Yeah, and then again, on top of getting suspended the most games, my man, you just you took a lot of L's over this. You started it. You, you did that, but... Uh, again, I try to find the humor in it. I'm not condoning it. I don't think fights should ever happen in sports. But when it happens in professional sports like this, especially in baseball, uh, usually doesn't happen anywhere. But this one, actually, somebody got knocked out. Somebody got hit pretty hard, and that's uh, happened to be Tim Anderson this time around. The best to Lionel Messi for the third straight game. He scored at least two goals, and Inter-Miami beats FC Dallas on PKs 5-3. And now they move on to the quarterfinals in League Cup. They were in round of 16, and... It almost, before Messi got there and some of the other high-powered soccer stars that they brought in, they were in danger of not even getting to the point of going through, uh, getting out of group play and getting to this point. But now they've gotten through the round of 16, and there's an excitement about every game. Now they move on to the quarterfinals, and they had to come back to win that game also. Uh, also wanted to uh, throw out uh, a best of the weekend just uh, because of one little thing that's not necessarily sports related, but uh, 
Best of the weekend to the storms and the rain that came in because, my goodness, we needed that so badly. And we had a lot of storming heavily this morning, and it was great to see. It's going to get hot once again. In fact, I, was, I saw Tommy Smith this morning walking into the building. We were talking a little bit about the weather, and he was, he was just saying that he hasn't been able to get out and play golf. He's like, but as soon as the clouds covered that sun, he was like, he was out there trying to make it happen. But uh, it was great to have some of that rain come in, and I know uh, we enjoy being outside and all that, but... Hopefully uh, that's something that's a little bit more consistent because this weather and this heat has been awful. You could use that as the worst of the weekend for the for the wheat for the weather and everything. But being able to get outside, play golf a little bit, and have some fun over the weekend when it's a little bit cooler was a lot of a lot of fun as well. Pro Football Hall of Fame. Some of the speeches and some of the moments that came from that. Rondé Barber, Joe Thomas. He ended it because of being with the Browns and them being in Ohio and Canton and the Browns fans that were there. And then Joe Klecko. So. Those were some of the highlights. And, of course, uh, DeMarcus Ware and um, uh, Darrell Revis. So there were a lot of lot of players that had some good speeches. And then even some of the family members of Hall of Famers that have passed on. And you had the daughters, sons, and different family members that presented them into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, worst of the weekend for me, again, I'm not going to try to sit here and pretend I was up there watching it, but still just there's a certain expectation that comes with certain sports in the United States, like men's basketball, even women's basketball. If you don't go out and you, in the biggest moments, perform, and it, if you don't win gold, people are bombed. If you don't win silver, people are really bummed. And if you don't win bronze, people are fed up. Like, they're just they're so upset. And a women's soccer team losing that early. Again, at sports, crazy things happen. I get it. But if you're the dominating force, if you got all the best players, if you got all that and you're coming in and you've had all this success and for it to end like that on a whimper, really, just uh, not something you want to see. And I know that... Uh, they'll probably be bouncing back. You know, maybe they'll have a redeemed team, as it was called for basketball, when they had their uh, 2004 performance in the in the uh, uh, Olympics. But, you know, they may be back and maybe better than ever, may go back and get back to the winning days. But just uh, did not want to see that early exit and only scoring four goals in the tournament. Just can't have that. The story of this team is youth, and uh, that's what it's – there's going to be even more turnover for the next time it comes around. And even with the Olympics coming up, you, we're already seeing that some of the veterans are deciding to retire, and they played a different role in this World Cup altogether where they were coming off the bench, but you're going to see a lot of experience that drops off this team. And now with some of the young players, they do have some experience going into the Olympics, but it's going to be a, a different-looking team moving forward, and it'll be interesting to see with the coach if they decide to stick there or they decided to make a move with because uh, there was a lot of questions about some of the management of the roster and when players were sub for and certain things that went on in the World Cup this time around. Yeah, because if you fall short, uh, especially like this, somebody's going to have to answer for it. <laughs> maybe multiple people are going to have to answer for it, so maybe they make a change. But again, just if you're gonna, if you're going to be the best, if you're going to be number one. You can't you can't lose in sixteen. You can't just can't do that. You got to be able to be better than that. Tim says worse to Jake Paul, Nate Diaz, and the fight this okay. weekend. I know, I know. See, I wanted. I know we're gonna bring that up, but I will I'll admit I didn't get to watch fully the fight. But there were I'm not a big fight guy, as we know. But people were upset by that fight. Was it that bad? <laughs> like, I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was okay. But like, why were people so mad about the fight? Because they want to see Jake Paul take an L and and get dominated at some oh. point now. He did lose before when he fought Tommy Fury, but it wasn't like Tommy Fury just dominated him. They want to see Jake Paul fail and fail miserably. And uh, it's one of those situations where he fought another MMA fighter. And if Nate Diaz had won the fight, then, you know, they would criticize Jake Paul. But now that he won, they're like, ah, he fought another MMA guy. I think the fight was fine. Maybe it's just because I'm a casual guy that just watches it. I thought it was fine. But people were really mad about that. Don't really understand. But either way, we got more Out of Bounds coming up next on the other side of the break, though. Stay with us.
Fellas, Clint Sterner here. Let me get your attention real quick, man. If you've noticed a lack of energy or a lack of motivation and drive, it could be low T. What's that mean? If you want to get back to feeling your best, you need to schedule your health assessment at Low T Center ASAP. It's quick, it's easy, and now it's convenient. Low T Center offers monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near Low T Center or you just need the convenience of at-home treatment, they'll ship your treatments directly to your house. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Greenway is partnering with local food banks for our fifth annual Food Bank Backpack Program fundraiser. These programs send healthy food home with kids facing food insecurity so they can go to school ready to learn. A $10 donation provides a child with up to 40 meals. And that's not all. Two lucky participants will win one of Jason Aldean's personal John Deere Gators. To donate, text GOBACKPACK to 44321 or visit any of our 32 Greenway locations. At the Home Depot, we know pros want to be ready for whatever the job site has in store. That's why the Home Depot app is made for pros who don't miss a beat. So you can power your jobs with rentals to get the tools, trucks, and equipment you need fast. And pro extra benefits to keep your business growing. For doing that doesn't stop, download the Home Depot app. It's made for doing. A toast to our new college grad who fills us with so much joy. Almost as much as when we're in our RV. Oh, the world is your oyster, kiddo. And ours, too. Now that we're covered with Progressive, Dad and I can hop in our RV anytime we want. Might even splurge on a retractable awning. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> Sorry, what was I talking about? Protect your loved one with an RV policy from Progressive. Take as little as four minutes to see what you could save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Look, I get it. We all receive a lot of messages and calls. But when you're driving, they can wait. Slow down, phone down. Work zone crashes have increased by 70% in Arkansas over the last four years. Law enforcement officers are patrolling work zones with zero tolerance for speeding or distracted drivers. When you enter a work zone, remember, slow down, phone down. It's the law. A message from the Arkansas Department of Transportation and the Arkansas Highway Safety Office. Join the zone each weekday for the Entertainment Report, brought to you by Bell & Sword of Conway. Find out the very latest breaking news and entertainment each day on the zone. Justin, Wes, and Christian will dish out what the stars and celebrities have going on, and you can catch it every day. Bell & Sword has everything for the best-dressed man. From boots to suits, check them out on Facebook or Instagram. Bell & Sword at 1020 West Oak Street in Conway. I'm Rex Nelson. As a native Arkansan, I take pride in our state's natural beauty. And as someone who has been in all 75 counties, I've seen how prevalent litter is across our state. It's time for people to clean up our state for those who live here and to enhance Arkansas's image for those wanting to visit. Let's clean up Arkansas. Visit KeepArkansasBeautiful.com to do your part and get involved. This message brought to you by this station, the Arkansas Broadcasters Association, and the Keep Arkansas Beautiful Commission. Hunter's Refuge in Whitehall is celebrating 25 years in business with a massive anniversary sale this Wednesday through Saturday. Save up to 75% in our huge tent sale. Store-wide, many items flash to only 25 bucks. Sale includes items from Columbia, Drake, North Face, Uggs, Birkenstock, Browning, Bandit, and more. Register in-store to win over $20,000 in giveaways. Sale is Wednesday through Saturday, brought to you in part by Columbia. Hunter's Refuge celebrating 25 years in business. Go to huntersrefuge.com to see the great deals. Fire up the grill this summer with the highest quality of meats from Hogs Meat Market and their new location off JFK Boulevard in North Little Rock. Hogs Meat Market, the steak people. You're listening to Out of Bounds with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Coach, I asked you what the host of this party was going to be serving up today. What's the drink of choice tonight? Well, you know, I, I'm not promoting it, but I like some old cold beer. I think I'm going to have one. I'm not promoting it now. On 103.7 The Buzz. Wait a minute, this love started off so tender, so sweet. But now she got me smoking out the window. Me 
Going to have your Razor Hog update presented by True Service here in just a second. It's out of bounds on a Reaction Monday presented by Fleet Management Services. And uh, we got a text on our very brand spanking newly uh, sponsored text line at the Southern Structural Solutions Buzz text line from Just Chuck. He says, Nate Diaz looked like Damon Wayans at the end of the movie The Great White Hype. That's what uh, he looked like. Nate Diaz has never been a guy that's been in good shape. And he was fighting at an even higher weight than he usually fights. He usually fights at 170 and added weight, 185. So you knew he wasn't going to be in, in great shape. He never has. The one thing you can give him credit for, and this is something that he's always done, he'll look like he's out of a fight, and he's never out of a fight. The guy, he got knocked down in this fight, but you've never really seen him in trouble where to the point where he was going to get knocked out or it has looked like that. But then he comes back when it looks like the fight may be over. He comes back and he's still fighting. And that was kind of almost seemed like his game plan in this fight where he would let Jake Paul, you know, throw his shots early in the rounds. And then it would look like Nate Diaz was on the ropes and maybe there was a chance that he gets knocked out there. And then, you know, by the mid middle of the round, Jake Paul has kind of worn himself out. So it seemed like that was Nate Diaz's game plan, where it's like, I let him get his shots in, wear himself out, and then second half of the round, now he's coming back with his own shots, and that was kind of how the fight went throughout. Now, it was too late in the rounds, and he wasn't putting combinations together kind of like Jake Paul was, so it wasn't enough. But you could see that with every round, looks like he could go at any time, and then... At the end of the round, he comes back where it looks like he has a chance to steal a round. Well, I saw also the funny clips of, I guess, uh, Nate Diaz is trolling, like when he was in the ring of, of Jake Paul. Oh, yeah, he's turning I mean, back he's, on him and yeah. kind of walking and almost, it, it was almost like he was trying to entice him and, and get him to make a mistake by trying to charge him, and then he was going to be able to hit him with something as he was charging in. And, of course, Jake Paul never took the bait on that. Now, the interesting thing about this is Jake Paul signed a contract with PFL, which is MMA. Mm -hmm. And so going into this fight, before this fight ever happened, a few days ago, Jake Paul put an offer out there where he said, you know, I want to give Nate Diaz 10 mil and we can take this fight to the octagon after being in the ring. This is prior to knowing the result. So they almost have some built-in revenue for the next time around in a rematch because now you're taking Jake Paul out of the ring, which people want to see him get beat, and you're putting him into where Nate Diaz is more comfortable in an octagon, and there's a lot of money on the table for it. So people would want to see it again, not in the boxing ring, but in the octagon because now they want to see how Jake Paul responds in the octagon, something he's never done before. So will they? you think it'll actually happen? Like they'll get it, to that point? Well, money will make it happen, yeah, yeah for sure. True. Because <laughs> people are really wanting to see uh, Jake Paul, which, again, I know that you know he's a, he's a personality that rubs people the wrong way, but it's just funny to think that he's a, he was a YouTuber and now here he is and, and making all this money and fighting and people are actively... They've always been rooting against him, but I don't think I've ever seen anyone make as much money with the majority of people wanting him to fail more so than I've seen with Jake Paul. Like, even when he was a YouTuber, people, like, hated him and, like, wanted him to fail. And just he keeps on making more money and keeps being more successful. It's like, okay, I guess keep hating on because whatever it's doing, it's working for him, business-wise. Logan Paul showed up that night, too, and everybody was wondering about the gear that he had on the outfit. But he was in a, in a WWE event earlier in Detroit, and he flew into Dallas to be there and... He just had a funny um, caption about it where it was like, didn't have time to change. And he showed up for the fight. Is it, did he, uh, was it him that was part of that audio, uh, fight that broke out in the crowd? I saw this kind of this melee, and I thought I saw uh, from uh, either the tweet or the story that he was kind of the one that maybe was talking to somebody and started this and, that, and it got yeah, going. They, I mean, if it happened like that, it, yeah, that, that wouldn't be hard to believe at all. And with exhibition boxing... And, of course, Jake Paul is not exhibition. These are actually pro bouts. But it started with exhibitions, and Logan has fought some exhibitions. But Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury retired from boxing, but he's doing exhibitions like Floyd Mayweather. There's a lot of money coming in with that. 
and they're about to step in the ring where you have Francis Ngannou, same type of deal, leaving UFC, and now he's stepping into the boxing ring. He's about to take on Tyson Fury, the guy that's known as the champ who has retired and now he's fighting exhibitions, and there's a lot of interest in that fight. So how much money did uh, like Jake Paul make out of this thing, just this one event? Like, does, is it a set number, or how that work? It, um, it, pay-per-views are going to have a lot to do with it, right. but it said that he probably will make at least 10 mil. Man, that's incredible. I mean, again, you can't hate on the guy for, for, for his brand and, and where he's at. And I don't know how much his brother Logan makes, probably not near as much. I know he does, like, a podcast, uh, the Impulsive, I think is what it's called, podcast. And he, well, so he fighting does Floyd Mayweather, that, that fight, he well, threw in yeah. quite a bit on that one. True, for that one, too. Um, they, they they have found a way. I don't know how it's happened, and and but they've done it better than anybody. Found a way to just continue to find revenue streams and getting people to, to actively root against them. And uh, uh, I I think it'd be fun to see uh, the you know the MMA side of things and and getting them into the uh, him into the octagon, Jake Paul that is, and seeing how that goes. I mean, just to, just to switch it up a little bit. Everybody wants to see him get beat. Mm. There's a lot of people. I feel like there's moving more. MMA fighters that stepped into the boxing ring, the boxing or the boxers stepping into the MMA ring because there's more money involved. Yeah, yeah. that's probably and, true. And they all want to make more money. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, what's truly what we all want to do is make a lot more money too. Uh, on our uh, Southern Structure Solutions text line, Steve says uh, the fighter I'm really looking forward or the fight I'm really looking forward to is the one between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, which you know it's hard to know if it's true or not, but it seems like they keep trying to move it towards it. Uh, in fact, They're talking it up, yeah. for sure. I saw uh, Elon Musk even tweet out, he's like, oh, it's going to be live-streamed exclusively on X, on, on Twitter, <laughs> and, and doing it that. And uh, also from the 501 says, this is Terry, uh, Nate Diaz competes in triads, probably one of the most in-shape athletes in the world. So, I don't know about in-shape, but when you look at his body type, he does not look in-shape. That's what yeah, everybody is referring to. That doesn't mean that... He he can't still be athletic once he gets in there, but just looking at his body, that's where people are saying he he doesn't look like he's in shape. Yeah, because I, I, I would look at it, I didn't think so either. But uh, hey, real quick, Forty Nine er John, we're up against it. Sorry, what's up? Uh, John, I challenge you to a fight. Okay, how much Me money's involved? Whatever you want to put on it. I'm forty three, past my age. I'll take on you anytime. I'm serious about this. Why would 1, you want to fight me? No, it was just a boxing match, exhibition. I don't want to fight you. I just want to. You just said you wanted to fight me. Uh, so you want to make okay? Thing. So that's why you want to make me look bad. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I, I want an exhibition. Yeah, neither one of us can fight. So, I, but I know I can, I can kick your ass. So well, probably so. Yeah, but I definitely want that. We we need to be on the the, the undercard of the Elon Musk, and then the the fight in Mississippi. I love what well, Alabama, wherever that was. I love that fight. Y'all need to be talking about that fight. All right, 49 John, thank you. Uh, we got more Out of Bounds. We got Chris Gordy joining us in the third hour coming up next. So you won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Chosen as one of Arkansas's best places to work eight years in a row, Rainwater, Holt, and Sexton is hiring premier paralegals and legal assistants at all locations. Little Rock, Conway, Hot Springs, Bryant, Jacksonville, and Springdale. Rainwater, Holt, and Sexton's mission is to compassionately represent injured and disabled Arkansans. With generous benefits and competitive pay, Rainwater, Holt, and Sexton